you have to give people something, right? They kind of want something. They want some form of value and they want to exchange money for that value. So uh, similar to what I was talking about on a prior episode, you create those mini courses, but the best, the ultimate for me, the ultimate strategy is you create, you, you create those assets, but you create that book. You create a book because people know what a book is. They know what that is. You sell them a book for $10 or $20, and that's money that you can invest into your marketing, right? So if somebody's coming into your business and they're investing $20, there are some proceeds left, and you can t- continue to invest that money back into your business. But the cool thing starts to happen where it becomes unlimited is where you offer them other things. Welcome to the Foundry, where leaders are forged daily. Each week, we investigate themes of leadership, entrepreneurship, and mindset with some of the greatest minds in real estate. And now, the data scientist of real estate, George Roberts. All right, so welcome back, investors. In the first episode, we learned a lot about amazing investing tips amazing real estate marketing tips from Jerome Lewis. And in this second part of the episode, we're going to get some more great tips and tricks. And we're also going to learn a little bit more about his investing career and everyone's favorite rapid fire round, the seven. So welcome back investors and welcome Jerome. Thank you for having me, George. Glad to be here. All right. So I want to dive a little deeper into precisely who Jerome Lewis is. So I want to say Ladies and gentlemen, you're not talking to one of those fake gurus in a rented Lamborghini. You've actually walked the walk. So you've you've gone out there, and I think you're over six and a half years into your investing career. I would like to hear a little bit about what you're investing in and how you've grown to reach your current level of success as a real estate investor. Yeah, sure. So I my investing career started off and I was like working at like a corporate job and the manager, he would like yell at me all the time. And I was like, you know what? I don't, I was in IT, right? And that's how we connected. We have an IT connection. Um, and I was like, I can't be here. I don't want to be here anymore. So how can I make that change? And I went out to Google, right? Like, how do I get rich or whatever I put in? And Rich Dad, Poor Dad came back. Yeah. And it was like, the book said invest in real estate. So I said, okay, I'm going to invest in real estate because the book said so. And that's one of the cool things about the book, like we talked about on the last episode, right? The book said so. People hardly disagree with books. They just apply what it is that they're saying. It's expert knowledge. So the book told me to invest in real estate. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to invest in real estate. One of the things that after I finished reading the book, I had all the education. It was like, okay, go out and network and find some coaches. So I'm like, okay, I'm ready for the next steps. I need to go out and I need to find me a coach. So I went out, I found me a coach. He was like on Meetup and he was teaching people virtually across the nation how to invest in real estate. And the particular type of investing that he was doing was wholesaling real estate, single family real estate. So I was like, okay, I need to get involved in that. And I asked him, what are your prices? And he said, well, it's $3,000 to do three months of coaching with me. And it blew me back because I didn't have $3,000 at the time. So it took me, and this is interesting because we was just talking about this. It took me two years think two years to save up $3,000 just to get back to investing with that coach. But I did it. I came back with the money and I took his program and I got involved in real estate wholesaling. And that's where I get like, got like most of my investing experience is in the real estate wholesale. I love that because a lot of people say, hell, you can't do that. No money down. That's just garbage. It doesn't really work, but not everybody can do it. That's true. But you have the personality for it if you're not afraid of the rejection. And I love the fact that you describe yourself as an introvert but that you are also very driven 
right? And I think you allow that to sort of override your natural introvertedness and become the personality that you are. But I'm not really letting you do any talking. So go ahead. Tell me about that personal growth thing. So it sounds like the first thing was you just had to trust, right? You went out, you spent money that you didn't really feel like you had on a coach. You learned, and then you had to save up some more money so that you could really get in the game. And then you did it, right? So you just didn't give up. Absolutely. And one of the things that you mentioned is like personality. I don't think enough people talk about personality in terms of this business, because some personalities can do some things and some can't can do others. Right. Like we can't all do everything. Different people have different strengths and weaknesses. So when I first got involved, like I, I'm still an introvert. And uh, when I was growing up as a kid, I used to be shy. I'm not shy, but I'm still very introverted. And if and if I could just sit down and not talk to people, I would do that. But that is not how business works. That is not how society works. We have to talk to people. We have to talk to people. So the way I talk and I do podcasts and I do speaking now, it was not always like that. I was very quiet and I didn't want to talk and associate with people. But because I had that coach telling me, here's what you do. Here's the conversations that you have. He was able to encourage me to get out of my comfort zone so I could do things that were uncomfortable to yield me different results. Yeah. Amazing. And I love that story because the story of personal growth, I think that's the real story. I mean, you could say, Hey, I got a coach. I started investing. I started out in doing wholesaling and I ended up in Airbnb and doing some really awesome and creative things. But you know what? That's not the real story. You, you've really got to, uh, you got to grow as a person or you're not going to get very far. Absolutely. And I don't know what philosophy to talk. Well, the law of attraction, right? That's a good philosophy to kind of think about. It's like the more you grow, the more abundant become, or actually the better philosophy is like become. It's not about what you do. It's about who you become. And that makes me think about, like, I got, like, books all in my background, but Psycho-Cybernetics is, like, the per best personal development book I've ever read. Mm -hmm. And he, talk about, he talks about the importance of becoming a better person, and you will attract these things, and you will attract these opportunities to you. So it's not really about what we do. Like, we do some stuff, but more importantly, it's, like, who you become. And that requires a shift and a certain mindset and certain behaviors. I want to be successful. I have to do what successful people do. I want to be an investor. I have to do what investors do. Right. So we're going to entitle this marketing implementation, how to build an unlimited marketing money strategy. But I want to hear more about what exactly is, and sorry for that. That was a pretty rough segue, but I think I love the investing career. And I wanted to make sure that we got that out on one of these episodes, but I think most people are coming to you. They're coming to you for marketing and tell us exactly you know, I want to get back to that marketing. And so what is an unlimited marketing money strategy? So an unlimited marketing money strategy is similar to what we talked about before on the podcast. You have to give people something, right? They kind of want something. They want some form of value and they want to exchange money for that value. So uh, similar to what I was talking about on a prior episode, you create those mini courses, but the best, the ultimate for me, the ultimate strategy is you create you, you create those assets, but you create that book. You create a book because people know what a book is. They know what that is. You sell them a book for $10 or $20, and that's money that you can invest into your marketing, right? So if somebody's coming into your business and they're investing $20, there are some proceeds left, and you can continue to invest that money back into your business. But the cool thing starts to happen where it becomes unlimited is where you offer them other things, right? So mm -hmm. you offer them a book. You offer them an audiobook. You can sell them that audiobook. They can purchase that. And then you can offer them after those two sales, you can offer them other things such as a course, a webinar, 
a consultation, you offer them different products, right? And they can purchase those products as well. So as an example, let's go back to the $50 example that I talked about on the prior podcast. You can sell them a $50 course and they can buy that course. So if they come in, they buy your book for $20, they buy your audio book for $20, and then they buy your course for $50, that's $90 that a customer has invested into you. And you can offer them more stuff, but let's just say we only offer them those things. And you have, so that's $90. I did a presentation where I talked about what I call, so the book is the ultimate marketing asset, but you also have an ultimate follow-up asset. And the ultimate follow-up asset is a newsletter. So if a customer comes into your business and it's a physical newsletter, not a digital newsletter, if a customer comes into your business and they spent $90, that's $90 that you can invest and spend back on that customer. So a newsletter will cost you $48 for the entire year. And that means you can touch your customer or prospect once per month for $48. And this is called the unlimited marketing strategy because they've invested money into you and you're going to reinvest that money back into them because you're going to get it back when they do a deal with you or you're going to get it back when they do something with you. They're investing in you and you're investing into them. I always like to encourage people to think about it as an investment, not an expense. If you set it up properly, it becomes an investment and it always pays off, right? This isn't even compounding or where people start to talk about, hey, here's George's book. Go read George's book. Here is the newsletter that he sent me this month. This was awesome. Go read this. And they start handing it out and sending it. Social media is so effective because of the social aspects of it. We can attribute the vehicle to the, the technology. But the reason why social media is so successful is because of the social aspect of it. People share this stuff and people will share your marketing and your content as long as it's great content and it's providing them value. So that's the unlimited marketing strategy to recap it. You get a book, you sell them an audio book, you sell them like a mini course in between, and then you give them newsletters and they're on a, a follow with you forever, forever. Great. And I'm glad you mentioned follow-up because I know it's very human to focus on the lead generation, but why is it that so many people fail to focus on the follow-up, which might actually be the more important of the two? I think it's that, again, where they're not thinking about this as an investment and they're like, okay, people are expecting, when you're doing business with people, you're expecting them to like sleep with you on a first date and it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> people are going to say no several times. And sometimes it's not an indirect no, but they're busy. They don't have time. They're not ready. They just lost a job. And if you can stay there and you can follow up top of mind, they will come and do business with you. So a really good example, I just had a, a colleague call me and he's been on my newsletter list for like a long time, a long time. And he reached out to me. He said, Hey, Jerome, could you come speak for, to my agents? And I'm like, he, he was like, yeah, I was like, okay, I don't remember how you have my number, but he was like, I'm getting your newsletters. I'm getting your newsletters every month. And I forgot that he was on my list since, since he's left the company, mm -hmm. but I'm following up with him automatically because those newsletters are going out to him every month. And it's not just in a digital format in his inbox where you have all these emails that's you know overwhelming to check out. It's like actual physical newsletters. And it also makes me, which I am, like, it's like, okay, this is a legitimate business. They have legitimate assets and they're sending me legitimate documents and resources that, that add value to my life and my business. All right, outstanding tips. And I know another thing that you do, you talk about this in your book, but if you could just elaborate a little bit about why is it so important to know about who you're marketing to? Man, uh, this this has become like one of my favorite lately, especially with like probably like your audience and older people, because you have to consider like where that person or where that audience is typically. 
And this is one of the reasons why, like my demographic and the people that I serve, I like to say, like, make your thing like physical because our marketing is not necessarily about us. It's about the value that we can give to people. So a good example is like, who are you marketing to, right? I can market to all of the, let's just say I had an older demographic, right? I can do all of the social media and a YouTube posts I want, but they're never going to see it because they're not there. There might be some people, but a majority of my audience will not be there. And that's why I like to go with the physical strategy, because typically you're dealing with people when, when people are a little bit older, they have more invested, they have more time, they have more money. And it's important to understand where your demographic, where that person is, so you can market to them correctly. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And I want to talk about your top three personal characteristics. You mentioned marketing. We talked a lot about that already, but fast implementation and results. So tell us about the mindset behind that. What do you do to make that happen? Uh, fast implementation. So uh, the crazy thing is like nothing is ever perfect. We always expect like perfection. It's like, oh, I want to get it out and I want to get it out. But and that's most people's like, that's what holds most people back. So Fast implementation is like, we need to get something out. We need to get it out to the market and we need to see what people are saying. What are people saying about this thing? Does it suck? Is it good? Like, what are they saying? But if we never get it out, we're so worried about being perfect. We'll never have any results to speak on. So a really good example is my book. You could kind of see like the, the iteration now, like it looks different than when it first came out. It was not perfect. When I first released it, it's probably still not perfect. When I first released, there were typos and all kinds of stuff wrong with that book, but I got it out, hit number one bestseller. I got sales, I got clients, I got customer speaking engagements, I got all of this stuff, even though it wasn't perfect because I moved fast and I got it out. I got it out. And it was all about being fast. Who could be the first to market? A really good example, I have another book in the background called 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. You don't even have to be good in marketing. You just have to be first. There are plenty of people who are like, oh, Plenty of people are like, well, I'm way smarter than that guy. How is he succeeding or doing so well? Because he was first. He wasn't being worried about being perfect, right? Why is that lady there and I'm not? Because she was first. She did it fast, right? So fast implementation is all about like, how quickly can you get it out there? How fast can you go? So you can get some feedback. Like you don't have, that's the crazy thing. Like you don't have to be good. You just have to be there. And people will do business with you. So a really good tip, like George, you run that networking event, like, if people just show up, there's what's called the familiarity principle. You right. don't even have to be good, but people will do business with you because they see you. So you don't have to be good. You have to be fast. You have to be first. You have to be present. That's what marketing is all about, being present. Really quickly, to go back to the newsletter, it's not necessarily what's about in what's in the newsletter. It's the fact that I'm showing up and people get right. to see me. So there's good content in there, but a big component of it is that I'm there in the first place. So when they do think about, okay, I need marketing or okay, I need to attend, which I put in, inside of our newsletter. I need to attend a networking event. Uh, it's inside of our newsletter. I put your networking event inside of our newsletter, mm -hmm. right? Just in case that. people like be there, be first, show up. Like that's a big part of it. And that's why I'm all about like fast implementation because people are worried about things holding them back. And if you can be fast and get it out there, you'll get some decent results. Yeah, outstanding. And being a connector, I think that's another great way to do it and something you're obviously exemplifying. You connect people and maybe you're not what they're looking for today, but you connect somebody and they'll remember your name. And then when they come looking for whatever you have to offer, uh, whether that's marketing secrets or whether you're a syndicator, et cetera, boom, that's where you get in. Now, I'm glad you also mentioned your 22 
I'm sorry, I don't, I'm, I'm mangling the title, but uh, 20 thing, 22 Things to Know About Marketing. Do you want to talk about any of your other books? I mean, with over a dozen, I think this is just amazing. Yeah, so the book that I mentioned, 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing, is not my book. It's a book by Ariz and Jack ah, Trout, and it's a great okay. book on just marketing and understanding the importance of marketing. My books, I have Real Estate Marketing Implementation, which is all about like mm -hmm. the foundations and the principles of marketing, so you can understand how to implement. And I say marketing implementation because it doesn't matter what we know if we don't go out there and apply it and implement it. That's why I'm like really big. You're hearing me talk about like implementation a lot. That's what's holding people back. It's not that they don't have skills. It's not that they don't have the talents. They're not doing it. They're not actually implementing it. They're too worried about perfection and not getting things done. Next book, I, I just published this one because I'm going through it personally. And uh, I have, this is my newest book. It's called The Probate the probate journey, an empathetic guide to selling a loved one's estate. So my mother passed a few years ago and we're, I'm experiencing some things and I wanted to write about it and take people through that journey. Uh, so that's why I published that. Yeah. Book. I want to thank you for that, by the way, because it is, it is difficult. So I never had to go through probates, but I know that even just settling, even just to settle an estate in, in any circumstances is, is not easy. So mm -hmm. I'm sure that is going to be very well received and appreciated by your readers. Yeah. Thank you. It's so many books here. Uh, my, my bio says 12, but I'm up to 20 now. I've got probably relevant to your, probably my favorite to for your audience is probably uh, the ultimate real estate marketing asset. And it's this, the concepts that we're talking about today. Like what is the ultimate marketing asset um, like this book? Because it can do so much, right? You create a book on your topic or your subject of expertise, and you can give this out to people. People appreciate books. This is my favorite and most relevant book. I also have, since I work with like clients, you ask me about like my investing, like how do I get those clients, right? To sell their house to me or do Airbnb. I have a book on it, how to sell, rent, or lease your house stress-free, right? They can Google it. They can do stuff, but I can give them a book. I'm the only person walking in saying, here, here's my book. Here's how this works. Right. Not just a business card, a postcard, or anything like that. Um, and I have several books. I don't want to like hold your time. Let me talk about one more. I don't want to hold your audience. They can check out like my name on Amazon. But this yeah, is probably my favorite because this gets people results immediately. So this is 17 productivity hacks and other useful implementation strategies. And this book is all about like how you can be quicker and faster, learn more, consume more, produce more content. And it's broken up and it like, like really bite-sized stuff. So it's not a book that you read that's like a storyboard style. It's like broken up into any page, any chapter that you don't open up to, you can implement one of these strategies immediately. So this is probably my favorite book. So for your audience, uh, 17 productivity hacks and other useful implementation strategies, the ultimate real estate marketing asset, and then probably real estate marketing implementation are all relevant books to them. And the cool thing uh, about books and some of the stuff that we talked about is that people never really perceive it as marketing. They never perceive it as marketing. It's information, right? Whereas if I was showing, okay, look at this brochure or schedule a consultation with me, people would be like, wait a minute, no. I don't want that information, but a book is informational and they don't perceive it as marketing. So Yeah, that's totally true. And people hate to be sold to. And I think that's huge that you're able to step out of that and provide value. That really is the marketing of our age is getting out there and providing that value. Absolutely. Good stuff. Great stuff. Great, great stuff. Yeah. And I, I think I know at least one of those productivity hacks is going to be write it down, write down your goals. And we talked Absolutely. about that. But you better yeah. pick up the book if you want to hear the other 16. <laughs> so, All right. So I want to get into the, the challenges of entrepreneurship. I think that's something that our audience is really after. So I want to ask you over last year, what is the biggest challenge that you've overcome? How'd you do it? And what did it teach you? My biggest challenge, my biggest challenge over the past year is like pricing 
like raising my prices correctly. And I have a coach that encourages me and that teaches me like, you just raise your prices. So the biggest mindset around me for like pricing is probably the mentality and the fact that it works. Yeah. I'm like, I'm still boggling. He's like, raise your prices. And then I do it and it works. Yeah. So that's been my biggest challenge. I'm like, man, this stuff like really works. And I've never been like a person, I'm not going to say never, but I've worked through and I've become where you pay, pay or you hire mentors and coaching, you're listening to professionals, just do what they tell you to do. They're the expert. Do it their way first. And if it doesn't work, then you try it your way. But most of the time, you never get to try it your way because what they say works. I love it. Yeah. One of my favorite books, I want to say, oh my goodness, I'm going to get the wrong, last wrong name. All right. I know Cody Peterson, copy your way to success. And it makes sense. Why would you reinvent the wheel? Just do it, get it rolling. You can modify it later, but just make it happen. At least it's what we tell my son when he goes into the kitchen, he loves cooking. You're going to make it like the recipe at least once yes. <laughs> before we start to modify it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Okay. I love it. Well, hey, I wish I could keep you for hour two, but uh, that's just not in the cards. So I want to head into our most challenging part of the interview, our rapid fire round, the seven. Are you ready, Jerome? I think so. I'm ready. All right. Okay, good. So if you could be known for just one thing, what would it be? Implementation. What is the greatest lesson in leadership you've learned from being an entrepreneur? Man, uh, progress is better than perfection. I love it. Version one versus version none. Exactly. All right. What personal characteristic has been most pivotal to your success? Imperfection. All right. Now let's take a nod to the randomness of the universe. I got some random question cards here. Just tell me when to stop cutting the deck. Stop. If you live to be 100, would you rather have, I hate this. This is one I just asked three weeks ago. Would you rather have a sharp mind or a fit body? But that just proves that it's random, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> sharp mind. All right. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Now name a book that has helped to forge you as a leader and as an entrepreneur and why? Uh, Traction. Traction is a really good book about like being and working with people in business. It is, there are other books that I highly recommend, but Traction really breaks it down. It's like, doesn't complicate it. It's like, okay, you got two types of people in business, two types, and that's it. Find out what type you are and stick to that type. So traction has really helped me understand that. All right. And now I'd like you to send us out with a quote to help forge our listeners as leaders and entrepreneurs. Uh, ideas are worthless without implementation. Okay. Outstanding. Now, how does our audience reach out to Jerome Lewis? Uh, you can reach out to me. Probably LinkedIn is probably the best platform to reach me like personally, but I also have a website, JeromeLewis.com. You can just reach out to me there and it leads to uh, everything else that we talked about and some of the stuff that we do. So, All right, great. And we got your phone number, right? It's the rule is text 
don't yes. call, correct? Yeah, the phone number is there. The rule is text don't call, right? Because we're all busy. We need to set stuff up. A really good example and a really good productivity hack on why is because when people call you, like they're disrupting your experience. And even if I just pick up that phone, I'm not I'm not sure what you're calling me about. If you allow me to schedule the time, that means I can pay full attention to you. I can take notes and I can give you the best value. So people don't tend to appreciate that when you're slowing down and scheduling things. But when you actively sit down and you schedule time to talk with that person, you can give them your undivided attention. And that's why it's like that. Outstanding, Jerome. I want to thank you so much. You are an author, a mentor marketer, Mr. Implementation. I want you to, I want to thank you for taking the time to share your knowledge and experience with our audience. Thank you, George, for having me. I appreciate you so much. All right.